much, Brother Anthony and Miss Lydia. Thank you so much. John chapter 15, and stand with me as you turn. John chapter 15, verse 18. John chapter 15 and verse 18. I want to read verse 18 through verse... Uh, we'll come here to, to about verse, uh, we'll just go to about 26 or so in John chapter 15 and verse 26, verse 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the passage of Scripture that we get to read this morning. I'm so thankful for the sacrifice that your son would endure. The Lord, that he would be hated without cause, that he would give his life on the cross and die there and rise again three days later that we might be saved, that we might be the children of God. Lord, I think of how you were preparing your disciples in this passage of Scripture for what, not only what was come to you, but what was going to be coming to them. And, Lord, how it can be applied to our life today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd give me wisdom as I preach from your word. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd touch each heart this morning as to its personal application for them today. Lord, I love you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you know, this is the, the setting of this passage of Scripture is that upper room. They had just had the Last Supper. Judas had just left. Lord was having some last moments of conversation with his disciples before they would go to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he would be taken and led out, held in an illegal trial before the religious crowd, crowd before Caiaphas, and then sent off to, off to Pilate, and from Pilate to Herod, and then back to Pilate. Those words, crucify him, crucify him, would be shouted out, and Pilate would try to wash his hands of what was, being, was done, and he would hand the Lord off to be crucified. And so thankful for what came next, that he would give up the ghost for us, Amen. His life wasn't taken from him. His life was laid down for us. And he didn't die for his own sin. Uh, He died for our sins. For the wages of sin is death. He died on that cross, not because he was a sinner, but because we were sinners. And he died in our place. What an incredible thing that our Savior would do for us. It's the reason we're here today. But in these verses that we see here, the Lord is preparing his disciples for what was coming their way. Because well beyond his persecution and crucifixion, they would face persecution of their own. They would go on with a great commission in mind and they would go from place to place sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and they would face over and over again a persecution from the world. And in this passage of scripture, the Lord was preparing his disciples for what was to come and reminding them that they were in good company. I'm so glad to be a Christian. I'm glad for that day in May of 1995 at Madera Baptist Church that I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. And to be in the company, be in good company on this Sunday morning with people who love the Lord. I'm thankful for good friends outside of here that may not know Christ and be busy about trying to point them to the Lord. But there's good company in God's house, isn't there? There's good company. And I want to point out some things from this passage of Scripture. The first thing I want you to notice here is the identity of a Christian. The identity of a Christian. Look here at verse 18 again and see what stands out to you. If the world hate you... 
ye know that it hated who? Me before it hated you. Verse 19, if ye were of the world, then the world would love his own. He'd say, if you belong to the world, the world would love you. But because ye are not of the world, he said, you don't believe, belong there. But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He said, because you belong to me, the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours. He said, they're going to persecute you because you belong to me. Verse 21, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Boy, the Lord, as you notice something about the disciples, their identity was wrapped up in the Lord. You know, world in this world, we find people finding their identity in all kinds of places, don't they? Boy, the world, as a matter of fact, tries to separate people into separate categories, don't they? They try to separate you and let your identity be found in the color of your skin. What color are you? And that's your identity. You belong to this group of people. They try to separate you by maybe your vocation. You are this person. Maybe the way that you feel about yourself. As a matter of fact, some people find their identity in the way they feel about themselves. And that's a lonely place to be. It's a discouraging place to be. Because if your identity is wrapped up in who you are, you're all by yourself. And sooner or later, you'll look in the mirror like all of us do and realize, well, I'm not all that great. And a dis discouragement comes. People try to find their identity in what the world says about them. What the world says who they are and what their makeup is. And this is who you are. And they try to find a satisfaction by what other people say about them. But in this passage of scripture, you'll find out that these disciples are not wrapped up in who they are or where they were from. But their identity was completely tied to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, as a matter of fact, the world will persecute you because you're mine. You belong to me. Your identity is in me. You, you're a child of God. And we belong to him. You can't break that tie. This morning I was on the way to church. And I was coming into church and I had a book on the back seat of the truck. It says, take it personally. And my boys were there and Samuel sees it. And he looks over at Titus and says, hey, Titus, take it personal. You're ugly. All right. It's like, well, that's a very spiritual way to start off a Sunday morning. You're ugly. All right. And uh, Titus looks over at Samuel and says, well, you take it personally. I'm handsome and you're not, all right? And, and I told him, hey, boys, take it personally. You're both good looking, but you got it from me, all right? That's what I told him, all right? You belong to me, all right? Your name is Han. You're stuck with it. It might be Samuel, uh, Samuel Jonathan and uh, Titus Anthony, and, uh, and I could go through all of them. This morning I went through them all and I missed one of them, and uh, all right, and I missed one of them. I'm thankful it wasn't on live stream this morning, all right? But, but the last name, it ties them to somebody, doesn't it? To me. Forever they'll be tied to Seth Han. Now their personalities are individual, aren't they? Matter of fact, if you were to know my kids, you would know how very different they are. But you can't change the fact that, that they're, they're tied to me. See, what we find as a Christian that when you became a Christ, you are, became a Christian, you are tied to Christ. Boy, our personalities are different, aren't they? Our backgrounds may be different. Things about us may be different, but who we are is who Christ is. This passage of Scripture reminds us of the tie that we have to the Lord and how, and how inseparable we are from Him, that we became a child of God. As a matter of fact, the first thing he highlights is the victory that we have and how the world cannot stand that. Look at verse 19. 
If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Did you catch that? He said the world hates you because you're not of this world. You're not like them. There's something different about you. Now let, let's look at who we were before Christ. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you hath he quickened. And then he begins to talk about who we were before. Who were dead in trespasses of sin, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in the, time, in, in the past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The Lord describes who we were without Christ. The flesh, our own selves, took control. The prince and power of the air, the old devil, he pushed us to and fro, doing what he wanted with us. The course of this world. People that stood, and, and I find out this, if you find your identity in the world and you find your identity in self, you will all come to the same place where we find your identity in sin. Because in every man, they are a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have what? Sinned. People who wrap their identity up in themselves or of this world or the things, it begins to point out who we were, sinners. I, June 3rd, 1980, I came into this world. I was born in Peoria, Illinois, and Ron and Cindy Hahn, and as I came into this world, I came into this world a sinner. Five times I've seen my children born and enter this world. And there's few things as innocent in this world as that little baby. Am I right? Hold that baby in your arms and you just see a child that we would use the word innocent. Innocent. But the reality is there's something that touches the heart of that child, isn't it? They're a sinner. The older they grow, the more evident it will become. Their life will begin to prove it, won't it? Selfishness will begin to pop out. I mean, I, I tell you, as, as innocent as a little baby is, the, they think of little else other than themselves, right? The flesh is that selfishness is one of the first things to see. When they're hungry, what they want, they want it. They, they don't care about your, their brothers and sisters. They don't care about you. They just want what they want when they want it, right? And as they grow older, that becomes more obvious. We just shade it a little bit better, right? Our life shows out who we are, sinners. And the Lord reminds us, this world is bound to sin. If you don't know Christ this morning, sin is the outcome of everything you do because a sinner is who you are. Before we were trusted Christ, we were sinners. Lost in sin, bound to sin, no hope within. We were without Christ. And we were a sinner. Those verses in Ephesians didn't end there. In verse 4, it said this, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Before we were dead in trespasses of sin, but the moment you put your trust in Christ, he quickened you, he made you, he made you alive, and, and he made you a new creature. 
Aren't you glad it didn't end with for all have sinned but come short, and come short of the glory of God? For the wages of sin is death. The price of sin is an eternal separation from the Lord. But it didn't just say there, it didn't just say for the wages of sin is death. It said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, before you were saved, you had no hope but sin. But after you were saved, that hold was broken. Our Savior didn't just die on the cross. He rose again. He gave us victory over sin and victory over death and victory over all of those things that we might walk in newness of life as we have a baptism. We'll make that statement. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. To do what? To walk in newness of life. We have victory in our life. Sin has lost its hold on us. We don't have to sin because we're a child of God. He reminds the world, and he says the world's going to have a problem with you because you have victory because you're mine. You have victory. There's a victory that comes from being a child of God, from knowing him as our Savior. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith God. Why? Because he says in this verse, he's chosen you out of the world. You're different. My five children are different. They're, they're like every other child somewhat, but in some nature, they're like their father. They belong to me. You're different. You belong to God. We've been given victory. We sing those songs. In my heart, there rings a melody. Why? Because of what our Savior's done for us. Because our life has been changed. There's victory. There's, he's given us victory, the company of servants. Look here at this verse, verse 19 or verse 20. Remember the word which I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Boy, this identity in Christ, what a privilege it is to be able to serve God. Paul would write to the, the Christians at Rome in Romans 1.1, Paul a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. This very passage, in this passage of scripture, the Lord remind us that we're not just merely called servants, but friends of God. We have a relationship with him, but what an incredible privilege it is to be a servant of God. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our Savior was a servant, wasn't he? Our Savior was a servant. He left the throne of heaven and humbled himself and took upon him the form of a servant. He walked on this dirty earth, surrounded by all its wickedness and all of its sin and yet never sinned. And he was obedient even unto death, the death of the cross as he gave his life on Calvary, not because he was a sinner, because we were a sinner. And you and I, friend, have the incredible privilege of serving him. And you think about it, this world doesn't understand why you might serve Jesus. Why would you spend your time doing that? Why would you invest of your time and your talents, your finances? Why? Friend, for the Christian, we have to ask ourselves the question, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I serve him? Have you thought about what he's done? 
Have you thought about his service to us? It, it sets us out. It's the identity that we have in Christ is, is that as his child, I, I have become, I have this, I've been called out, separated, given victory, and given the incredible privilege of serving God. He has done so much for us. Why would we not in turn serve him? In whatever way we possibly can, why would we not serve the Lord? From the most menial to the things that we might think of the highest, why would we not serve God in whatever capacity that we can or that, we, that is available to us? Because he has served us and went to Calvary. The identity we have in Christ, to become victors, to become servants, to become family. Look at verse 21. But all these things will they do unto you for my what? Namesake. Because they know not him that sent me. He said, you bear my name. Your family. To as many as received him, to them give you the power to become the what? The sons of God. In John 17, same setting, he would pray with his disciples. John chapter 17 and verse 3, as he prayed, he would say these word, words. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Lord says, I want them to know me and know. You know, the incredible privilege of salvation is when we think of being saved, we think of escaping hell and experiencing heaven. It's often where our mind goes. The first things. I'm no longer headed to hell and I'm on my way to heaven. But the thing that made up that space, that great gulf, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That we could know him. That's what was restored at Calvary. The Lord would look at Nicodemus and he said, Ye must be born again. You're a sinner. You're without Christ. You were born into this world of the flesh and of the water. And you came into this world a sinner. But that birth is an insufficient birth. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born not of the water, but not of the flesh, but of the spirit. He would say in Romans 8, 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of adoption or bondage, where again, whereby to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Boy, it's an incredible thing to have a, a relationship with God. He said, you bear my name. You bear my name. Those five children, they bear my name. I bear the last name of my father before me and my grandfather uh, before him and before him. And the name is Han, H-O-N. I have heard that if you go far back enough, it was once upon a time Horn, H-O-R-N. And somebody decided they misspelled it on a marriage license and it became Han. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm so thankful it's Han, not Horn. All right. And I will say that. All right. I don't know, but it's my name. You can't separate me. From that, You could change it, but it wouldn't change who I came from and where I came from. From the moment of salvation, you became a child of God. There's no breaking it. There's no changing it. You're his child. You bear his name. And you were given an incredible relationship with God. See, this morning, as I sat on the end of the couch and opened up the Bible, that relationship allowed me to talk with God walk with him in his word, to spend time in prayer. 
the world would look and say, why are you doing that? Why would you spend time in that book? Why would you bow your head and pray? But what they don't know is who I know. They don't know the one I know. And I heard from him this morning. Why would you go as a family to that place, Grace Baptist Church at 2915 14th Avenue? Why would you give your morning and spend time? Because, friend, we're family. We come from different places. We may have different colors to our skin and different backgrounds and different vocations and come from different places of the world, but we have the same family. There was a day for us when we came to know Christ as our personal Savior and we became His child. And we gathered here together because there's coming a day when there's going to be a greater gathering than this one. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 14, the Lord reminds us that at the trumpet, at the last trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They'll be caught up together to be with the Lord. And then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together to be with the Lord and we'll spend all of eternity up in glory with the Lord but in the meantime you and I gather together to assemble right here to worship our God in a corporate family fashion as the family of God a family reunion if you will before we go to our separate places come December of this year my one of my younger sisters is getting married and the whole family will gather together in Marion Indiana and then we'll go to our separate places We'll gather together here today as family. And we'll go to our separate places. The world doesn't get it. But if you know him, you sure do. Because that person next to you might look a little different, may have some different personalities, but they're your family. Because we serve the same God who died for us and rose again. The world doesn't get it. But the one who does knows him does. That company, that family, it's a personal fellow relationship. It's a family relationship. It's a future relationship. You can't break it. The witnesses that God has made us. This identity we have in Christ. Look at what he says here in verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no what? Cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Boy, the Lord's life. Before he showed up, everybody was pretty comfortable. They had the things they didn't like, but they were comfortable with who they were. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they went about their daily tasks, very pleased with themselves, very happy with their task and their routine and their religion. Secular world, busy about their things, doing what they wanted to do. But then one day the light of the world entered into the world. And that light shined a light in every place. Shined its place and everybody liked part of it. Rise up and walk. Well, that's exciting. Hey, the blind receive their sight, that's exciting. The lepers made clean, that's exciting. The peace be still, that's exciting. Repent? No, it's not so much. See, what the Lord revealed was sin. All of a sudden, that light shined everywhere. The Pharisee knew he was told he was a sinner. The Sadducee was told he was a sinner. The disciples knew that they were sinners. Religious world or the secular world begin to see it. 
and they weren't happy. It would lead the crowd to cry out, crucify him, crucify him. Lead the religious crowd that were happy with their works that would bring about no righteousness to sell them off to the secular world. The religious world would try him and the secular world would crucify him because they didn't like what he stood for. But so I'm so thankful that he did it, amen? Because without it, you and I couldn't be saved. I tell you something, in this world, we're meant to be a witness, aren't we? We read what Peter would say. He stood in this company. He knew what it was like. Can you imagine these men for a moment? Before Christ came, they had their own identity. Peter was a Galilean, a fisherman. By the Sea of Galilee, mending his nets. And Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Matthew, the tax collector, the publican, and Zacchaeus, the publican, later... They had their own places, their own, and, but then they came to follow the Lord, right? One day, Peter got up and left his nets and forsook all and followed the Lord. And now some three years later, after following the Lord, you could not separate him from his Lord. You couldn't separate him. Matter of fact, when he would deny the Lord and attempt to separate himself from the Lord, they would look at him and say, no, friend, you're Galilean. I saw you in their company. He would try to separate himself, but he could not. And John, John would warn, they went out from us because they were not of us. They tried, but they never put the trust in him. But these men couldn't, you couldn't separate their company. And now God looked at him and said, as much as I came as a witness, you're going to be a witness. And Peter would write these words in 1 Peter 2, 6 through 12. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. That's Jesus. Elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. To those that know you, that know Christ, he is precious. But unto them which is be disobedient, the stone which the builder disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient. Where there's some that stumble over him. Whereunto also they that were appointed, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. He said in the world they may stumble, and they stumbled over the Lord, and they couldn't stand who he was because he stood for what was right, and he showed them that they were a sinner, but they did it without a cause, because as much as he showed them that they were a sinner, and as much as he showed the consequences of sin, he also paid the price for their sin. Friend, I can tell you this this morning. You cannot hate God for what he's done because he loved you so much that he went to Calvary for you. You cannot hate him for his judgment on sin because he loved you so much that he paid the judgment. They hated him without a cause. I will tell you something, Christian. For those that live for God, the world will oppose Because as much as you see the identity of a Christian, you see the identity of the world. You see it? There's two groups of people 
and only two, saved and lost. This world tries to split people up into all different categories, but you either saved or lost. Saved or lost. And we see the opposition that they faced. The world, they opposed them. They opposed them. They didn't like them because they were different. They didn't like the Lord they served. They opposed them with everything they could. They didn't like their message. It doesn't seem to be the call of the world to dim your light. If you were to come into my dining room, you could flip the light switch on, and there's a dimmer switch. Not that long ago, I, I bought, ordered some bulbs for that light, and I ordered, not purposely, I thought I ordered ones that were dimmable, but they weren't dimmable. It was the weirdest thing. I put those things in there, and they just went, shh, 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 just flashed like, I don't know, like something was going to burn down, all right? But uh, I put them in there, and you can turn that light up and down. This world sure likes us to dim our light, doesn't it? Do you remember that song? If you grew up maybe in Sunday school, maybe you know it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. What? No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Yet the world... We'll say, dim that light. Fade into the background. Look more like our family than your family. Look more like the world than the saint. Look more like the condemned than the living and the forgiven. And God looks at his disciples and he says, fellas, you don't belong here anymore. This isn't your world. And the world is not going to be always happy with you. Boy, sometimes... It might be okay, but they won't always be happy with you because your identity is that you belong to me. Can I tell you the great joy in the Christian life is when you recognize who you are is all about who he is. When I become settled in my life, my identity is not me. I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. I came to be a child of God. I've been bought with his precious blood. It is not about who I am. It's all about who he is. And there is a joy that settles into the heart that recognizes that I'm not going through, matter of fact, I'm not going through life alone. It's not about what the world thinks of me. It's not what others think of me. It's all about my Jesus and what he's done for me. Because I'll tell you something. Look at how this chapter finishes here in verse 26. But when the comforter is what? Come. Whom I will what? Send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth. Verse 26 of chapter, of chapter 14. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in, in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, wheresoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Verse 17, or verse 16 of chapter 14, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever. See, the moment you came to know Christ, the Lord gave you the comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit of God, the one who came in and moves alongside of you, the one who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In Matthew chapter 28, as he gave the great commission, he would finish it off with these words, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth and the world. He didn't leave me alone. Can I tell you something? As long as you try to find out who you are by looking in, 
you'll be lonely. When you try to find out, describe who you are and find your identity based upon the what the world says of you, you'll be forsaken. Because they will only come alongside of you as long as you confirm who they are. But the minute you're different than them, you're on the outs. Only go as far as with you as long as you confirm with them. And as when you're looking within, friend, there's going to be awful lonely days. But when you find your identity in Christ, you find someone who says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, faith, temperance, fruits of the Spirit. Who who am I? Christian. Who am I? Child of God. Who am I? I'm a victorious Christian. Who am I? I'm a son of God. I belong to the family. I'm a servant of the Most High. Who am I? I'm a witness. The world may not always like it, but the reality is this. Friend, they need him as much as you and I needed him when we came to know him. Corinthians reminds us that he's committed unto us the word of what? Reconciliation, if you know it. When were you reconciled with God? An enemy of God, a child of the world, at dead in trespass of sin, under the prince and power of the air and of the flesh, and walked after the course of this world. For me, it was May of 1995 at Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. I bowed my head and I put my trust in Christ, and I was reconciled, made at peace with God, and made his child. Friend, there's folks outside of this world that may stand against you, but it's your job to go out there and take them from an enemy to a brother. To take them from condemned and forgiven. To share the incredible gospel of Jesus Christ, which is able to save their soul. The word of reconciliation. He made us a witness. He looked at these fellows and said, you won't always be popular, you won't always be liked. The world may condemn you. As a matter of fact, they will. They, each one of these men, maybe except for maybe John, would die a martyr's death. But he would say this. Here's why. Because you're mine. You know victory when the world knows bondage. Hey, you know family when the world does not. You, you have these things. You made a witness world has no testimony outside of sin and death, yet you have a testimony. You've been made a servant. The world will oppose. Friend, the answer isn't trying to make the world your friend. The answer is trying to make the world your brother. God specifically says, don't become a friend of the world. It's not me trying to make the world my friend. It's me trying to make the lost my brother. And that's not me bowing the knee to man and his ways and trying to make them like me. It's pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is able to save their soul. If we're not careful, Christian, we'll end up in the place trying to make the world a friend instead of trying to make him our brother. Our job is to make him our brother. Because we have something. Rest content. The armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, the Lord said, take up the whole armor of God. Your loins girt about with truth, taking up the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the what? Gospel of peace.
You know what God's saying? You know what's on your feet? Your feet is what you stand on, and your feet are what take you where you go, don't they? Be at peace. Because in Christ, you stand on something solid. Talk about an identity. The gospel of peace. Name me peace. If I'm looking for my identity and who I am, there's sometimes at the end of the day I don't like very much who I am. Anybody ever been there? Go through something or a moment, you're just saying, hmm. But then there's a God who forgave you and loved you. There's a God who forgave you and loved you. Peace. Victory. Service. Witness. Family. My identity. The world doesn't know it and they'll oppose it because you're not theirs. And those feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, they also carry me somewhere, don't they? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Go. Gospel makes me stand at peace, and the gospel helps me go to those who need peace. Not to make the world my friend, but to make the world my brother. As they come to know Christ as the personal Savior. And I find them in this family. But until they come a part of it, the Lord reminds them. Guys, are not going to like you. Sometimes they're going to hate you. You're going to shine a light on sin because your life is different and they'll call you a sanctimonious idiot. You're just trying to live holy and live right. Live for God because your life is different. And the ones who don't get it realize that enemy, it'd all be fixed if they became your brother. And the answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the word of God, this passage of scripture that reminds us of who we are in Christ. Lord, you would look at your disciples and and preparing them for what they were about to face. They were yours. They belonged to you. They were friends of God. They were servant of God. They were victors. They were witnesses. And the world wouldn't get it and they wouldn't understand it. But because of what you did for them, their life was different. But you didn't leave them alone, Lord. You left them with a comforter, that wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you give comfort when nothing, when the world's circumstances, when the world gives turmoil, you give peace. And when the world gives sadness, you give joy. When the Lord brings anger, you give love. When our sin demands, when our flesh demands sin, you give temperance and holiness and patience. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Let us live a life that is different in the midst of a world that doesn't know Christ. Lord, let us seek to make the enemies of this world as they may be seen, to become the, the brothers in Christ to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this as you're in your seat. How many could say this morning, preacher, I know that I'm saved. I'm not asking you this morning if you know about Jesus. I'm asking, do you know him as your savior? Are you at peace with God? As you look about this identity and what describes a description of a Christian, is that you? Are you still trying to find your identity in yourself and in the world? There's a great peace that comes when you say, God made me who I am, and I am his servant, and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to worry about others, what others think, but I'm going to rely on him. Maybe you would say this morning, preacher, I'm not sure about my salvation, but I'd like to know him this morning. Would you raise your hand? Is there anybody like that? You'd say, preacher, would you pray for me? I want to know that I'm saved this morning. Let me ask you this. How many of you could say, preacher, I know that I'm saved on my way to heaven? That's a settled thing for me. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. You may put your hands down. How many of you would say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? I don't know what it may be.
Maybe the Lord just reminded you, you're looking for peace in the wrong place. Maybe the Lord just reminded you to be a witness. Don't dim the light. Brighten the light. Live for God. But you say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this morning. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play, as God has spoken to your heart? The altar is open. And why don't you spend some time in prayer this morning? And I don't know. Let me ask you, Christians, when's the last time you were a witness for Christ? When's the last time you told someone about Jesus and how they could be saved, how they could know Christ as their Savior? Have you lived as a witness? Look, I know it's not always popular. It's not as unpopular as some people think. It's not always popular, but God has done, he's made us a witness for him. He's given us a relationship with him. Have you walked with him this week? Have you spoken with him in his word? But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this morning. I can hear 